0: Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another segment of Complete Wellness with Cindy, the Busy Woman's Cheerleader. This is the channel where women from all walks of life can stop by, get tools and resources to help them thrive 360 in mind, body, spirit, and finances. I invite you to stay connected, subscribe to this channel, and visit me online at thecindyrann.com. Now for today's segment. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another segment of Complete Wellness with Cindy, the busy woman's cheerleader. So super excited today, as usual, to be coming before you. But first, before I introduce our special guest today, uh, let's think about our quote for today. Our power quote for today is Worrying is like a rocking chair, it gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. And that comes from Irma Bambach. How about that? <laughs> I love that one. So we have today with us Kim Hammer, and Kim is over the 100 acts of love. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi, Cindy.
1: Nice to see you. You, you as well. Bad hair day, but we're here. Oh no, bad hair day. That's why that's why we got this on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, listen. Tell us a little bit about yourself and. Basically, you know, um, the 100 acts of love, where did that come from? Tell us about yourself and tell us where that came from.
1: Yeah. So um, back in 2006, my very tall, healthy, uh, strong husband was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Um, For those of you who like to know what kind of cancer was, large B-cell lymphoma. And it really took us by surprise. You know, we were very active, um, like physically active. We took care of ourselves. We ate organic everywhere, anywhere we could. Um, Mentally pretty, well, you know, you're never as mentally sane as you think you are, but um, (laughs) mentally insane as we could be raising three children. And so it just, you know, one day he was having trouble breathing and the next day it was Holy cow, you need to get put on oxygen ASAP and we need to start chemo. We can't even wait for, there was a, there was a lump that they found and said, we can't even wait for the surgery to heal. You need to start chemo because this thing is going to take you out in a matter of weeks. Um, So what happened was a lot of people showed up and kept saying, if you need anything, let me know. If you need anything, let me know. If you need anything, let me know. And um, at first it felt really helpful. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. But what so many people showed up and from we lived, we lived all different places. We have, you know, we grew up on the East Coast. We were on the West Coast at the time. We lived in all different places across the country and people kept showing up and doing really sweet things for them. So I started calling these things acts of love because that's what it felt like. It felt like, you know, we're going to pick your kids up today and you're not going to get them back till tomorrow, Saturday morning at 10 because we're going to take them to the movies and do a sleepover. We love you. You know, we're going to send a handyman to fix that light in your kid's room because we love you. You know, we're going to take care of getting sure that the, the lawn gets mowed because we love you. And so all these things, just they always felt like an act of love. Uh, um fast forward my husband becomes cancer free we're very excited but hesitant and i think the thing that most people think is when you get this when you hear that you're cancer free you're like woohoo life is so great but it's not it is we spent so many nights in bed looking at each other and going what the heck just happened like what just happened to us? Um, so we started to build our lives back together, parenting, co-parenting together and building our marriage because our marriage took a hit. Right. Um, and then less than two years later, the cancer came back. And four months after that, he died. And at the time he was 44 years old and our kids were 12, nine and seven. And that's really when the acts of love really stepped in because, you know, there is no way, I mean, I think we, you know, I, we, we underestimate our own courage, but we also underestimate the power of other people's support. Right. And there is no way that I would be the same person that I think I am. Well, you can ask my kids, sometimes they don't think so, Um that without all that support. So a couple years passed and I realized that so many people don't know what to do or what to say they feel really uncomfortable, they feel guilty, and they do one of two things, they do one of three things, either they manage to do something well and good and kind and sweet, because they, in the back of their mind, they either know, or they've had a situation that's very, that's familiar, so they know what to do, they, they either say, or the second thing is they usually end up saying the wrong thing, and the third right. thing, which is actually sometimes the most painful, is they say nothing at all, they pretend wow. like it didn't happen, yeah. So that's why I sat down and wrote a book. I wrote a book called 100 Acts of Love, A Girlfriend's Guide to Loving Your Friend Through Cancer or Loss. And the idea was to keep it really simple and to teach people how to show up easily and quickly and I, I'll show you I'll show you a quick tip at the end but it's I just wanted people to know how powerful they were because I knew that I wouldn't be where I was a couple of years after my husband died if it hadn't been for those people who showed up or who got it wrong and showed up again and tried again and again and I also thought that when I, before my husband got sick I thought that you had to like commit to like bringing dinners every single you know Monday through Friday for the next six months. And through my experience, as I learned how important it is, how easy it is to support somebody going through cancer or grief or depression or anything. Mm-hmm. Fast forward again, I go back to work. I go my very first job, I go back into HR, which is my first love. And my very first job, I'm working for a president of a company whose wife has cancer and then she dies and the company doesn't know what to do. They don't know how to act. They don't know how to talk to the the managers about, you know, he's, he's the CEO of the organization. So no one knows what to expect. Everyone's running scared. He's, you know, he's in the office not being himself because that's what grief does to you. It changes your brain. And that's when my my business was born. That was the first kind of inkling because I spent a lot of time talking to the managers about how to really work with this person who was going through a devastating life-changing loss. How does, you know, what do you say to him? How do you handle his reactions? What are, What can you, how do you change your expectations of what you think he's going to be able to do? I also spent time Talking to, he was the president of the company. There was a CEO of the company in the UK. I spent time coaching him as well as what could he expect from this employee, um, and so I move forward in the HR world and I see it all over the place. You know, I see death happen and, and employees grieving at work. I see an employee death occur and managers don't know what to do or how to manage the situation. And um, I see, you know, now we've got, a, you know, almost a, an epidemic of depression and loneliness occurring, which really affects how people show up at work. And so I launched this, I, you know, developed this through my years of working in HR. I developed this five-star of something called North Star Strategy, which helps managers understand exactly what steps to take to help their team move through this process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I do now.
0: Okay. All right. You know, I always say there's a cause and effect behind every business entity. Yes, so it's is always kind of interesting to get that background as to what, you know, made a person do what they're doing or, or you know, the cause behind it.
1: Yes. Yes. So
0: basically, um, you're mentioning about like, you know, the leaderships. So how could a leader balance their employees need and continue to keep the, the company going at a good pace?
1: Sure. So one of the things I often tell leaders, the very first thing I say, you have to say something. And it's so funny. Most leaders, when I talk to them, they say to the person, you know, they're so shocked by the news. Their reaction Mm -hmm. is take all the time you need. And that is actually the wrong thing to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And because what you're doing is all the time you need means could mean to that employee I'm going to take 24 hours and come back to work or it could yeah. be I'm going to be out for three Years. weeks yeah and yeah. you haven't set a boundary and then so let's say the employee is back at work and they're doing crappy work because they're because they just found out they had cancer or just because they're under treatment or because they're you know they're doing crappy work for a good reason mm-hmm. now you have to start having these conversations with them about their work right and you and you said it and you you really don't think they should be here so you have to kind of figure out what to say. Um, one of the things I also tell managers, very important, is the the next thing they say is take all the time you need. And after that, they say, if you need anything, let me know. And that is actually the least helpful phrase you can say. Okay. And there are four main reasons for it. One, when you when someone delivers you that news, whether it's an employee you care about deeply or an employee you kind of really want to, you know, move out the door. You need to continue to take the time to connect with them. And so one of the things we need to do is take that moment to go, holy cow, I cannot believe this is happening to you, or I'm so sorry, or I just need a minute. Like this news is so shocking, right? That connecting is really important. Here's a great example. Let's say something really good has happened to you. Like, you know, new car, new house, marriage, kid, whatever, something fantastic. And you go to lunch with six people and you know they all know exactly this great thing that's happened to you. And they say nothing the whole time, nothing. Mm-hmm. Most of us, our reaction is we feel hurt. Like, why didn't anyone acknowledge? Like, I want to share this good news. Well, the same thing happens when we have tragedy. We need to be witnessed. Think about when you come home from work and you want to talk to your partner and you just want to complain about the day. That's witnessing, right? Think Bye. about think about when your friend says, you know, just gives you a hug because it's such a horrible thing that's happened to you. That's witnessing. So we all want to be witnessed. And that's so important when you are dealing with a situation where your team is watching you. Your team right, is watching, right. whether they're watching you physically or they're watching because the person's going to come out of the office and tell everybody what's happened. They're going to tell that one person's going to tell everybody else. Right, right. They're watching you. So being really clear on understand, on what you to say is important. So that's the first reason why it's not a helpful thing to say. The second reason, Cindy, what's anything? What's anything? What did you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Did you mean that you were going to go pick up my vomiting toddler in your brand new BMW that just got cleaned? <laughs> or did you mean that you were going to, right? Or did you mean that you were going to be dropping off a bottle of wine? Like anything is too big a word. You, no one can grasp that. Now, in the moment, we really do mean anything. If you needed caviar, Cindy, from Russia, I would figure out a way to get to Russia. Like in the moment, I'd be like, all oh, for it. And then I'd look at my credit card statement oh, I, no, and think,
0: no, I can't. One would know that is not to that extremity, but I understand what you're saying, how that could be misleading.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It can be very misleading. Anything is too big a word. It's just too big. The third reason it's not helpful is now you put the person who's already under a great amount of duress to figure out what you mean by anything. So now they have to kind of go through their Rolodex. Like I said, did you mean that you would pick up my child? Or did you mean that you'd go get pasta or did you mean you get milk first thing in the morning cuz i just happened to run out of i just realized i'm out of it and it's morning time like so you're asking me to figure out what anything is or to make a list and the fourth reason it's not helpful which is so key for so many of us most of us are good for asking for help and we're, we get worse at asking for help when we really need it because we are vulnerable and we cannot take, we feel like our hearts will break if someone turns us down. So you've got four really good reasons why that statement isn't very helpful. And so what I tell managers to do is one, acknowledge what's going on. You don't have to, pr- to produce some action step or something specific right away, but you can come back to them and say, hey, I was thinking about this. What I'd like to do for you is, and fill in the blank, Right. Figure out. We all have our helping superpowers. We're all really good at doing certain things. We enjoy cleaning the dishes, or we enjoy vacuuming, or we enjoy you know you know Gantt charts, you know whatever it is. You know we enjoy making charts out of making pie charts, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. We have things that we're really good at, and that this person who's in crisis may not be as good at, or may need to be taken off their plate. And so that's where you make the offer. You get very specific, and you offer more than once because people are not firing in all cylinders and they're probably going to forget.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. So it sounds like your hands are full. So what are you doing with that? Are you um, just basically giving out that information throughout your book or what, what is your format for giving people this information?
1: Yeah. So basically I'm, I haven't quite figured the quite title yet, but I'm sort of like the crisis consultant. So what happens is a manager, a manager comes in and says, oh my, you know, an HR person will call me usually and say, you know, an employee has died. What do we do? Mm -hmm. And, or, or this is what we've done. We need your help in figuring this out. Mm -hmm. So I will come in. Um, I usually spend three days in an organization, very intense three days, not with, I'm not with the manager for three days straight. I'm coming in. I am learning about what has been said. I'm training the team on what to say and what not to say. I'm looking at, I do um, I do a, you know, we we do sort of a couple assessments. The one major assessment that we do is we ask managers to sit down and teams to sit down and think about what their stereotypes are. So let's say a key person has cancer. We all have stereotypes of what cancer is and what it does. Mm-hmm. And most of the times with those stereotypes, we base our actions on those. And most of the time, those stereotypes are like only 1% of what we believe is true. Yes. So we have to kind of look at that. And we also need to look at our own feelings behind it because we, you know, f- our feelings leak out of us. You know, we think about you come home from work, you're having a bad day. The dog senses you're having a bad day and stays away. Right. So our feelings leak out of us. So we need need to do that feeling work. The third thing we do is we do a massive assessment. So just kind of figure out if it's someone with cancer, what, you know, we want to know, we don't need to know what kind of cancer and it's none of our business. And we legally, we cannot ask, but we do want to know how often are you going to be able to work? And that person can say, well, I'm going to be able to be in three days a week and have to be out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And okay, so with that in mind, what do we how do we need to rearrange the team so that it's more effective? A lot of times managers make the mistake of pulling the big projects from the person who's dealing with the with the issue. And that is one of the worst things you can do because you're sending two messages. Exactly. One, they want to stay connected to if they're working and two, you're sending the message to the team. This person is weak. And this is what happens when we deal with weak people. We just pull the big stuff from them. And then third is you completely unmotivate the employee who has had cancer. So they may stay with you, but they are probably going to leave. Their, their, their chances of leaving for a different position are very high after, they, after they've after they been, after hopefully after they've come back and cured um so we do an assessment and that's and then after that we're able to take thoughtful action and that assessment so like i said it covers the employee it covers the team it covers the company some companies have some stuff dialed in already on what they do and how they support employees most companies don't so we start to take a look at that and what do you want to do because this is not the only time it's going to happen so what do you want to do moving forward from here what do you what's kind of the ground rules you want to set so everyone understands what happens when they're having a personal crisis um and and then we revisit because that revisiting, if you've got an employee with chemo, you know, you need to revisit again and again and again, chemo, chemo affects people differently. They may be great for round one and two. And then by the time they get to round four, they're not doing well. They're not able to concentrate at work. So you need to constantly assess and talk to your employees. So that's the, the general gist of, of how I work.
0: I could I mean, I could definitely see how that Necessary, you know, a lot of times, and we're not going to get into that with how the, the healthcare system a lot of times forces yeah. people in a crisis to push through to keep their benefits, to yes. be able to continue to work because of their
1: benefits. You know,
0: um, another whole story for another year. Yes. Um, you know, so it's definitely, um, you know, I, I definitely understand why it would be necessary to have like that crisis management that a lot of times it's in, you know, other arenas, but not in the HR arena. And that is not something, because I, I understand HR from my accounting background for all those years. So there's not something that is this less taught or you're certified as. It has to be like the interest of yours to be able to take it and be able to deal with your staff. Um, I commend everybody who does HR because <laughs> for me, it's you know, side of it, it's like, man, I can't babysit your stuff. You know, I mean, I mean, yep. I can the information as far as like your package, but oh, yep. I don't want to talk about your stuff and which parts you didn't use and which parts you didn't know.
1: Right, okay. so right, I, right. You
0: know, man, That is an absolute awesome, you know, actual, you know, part to have in for HR. You, Professionals. That is exactly. Awesome.
1: That is, exactly. Awesome. And you know, most HR professionals go, we have an EAP, an employee assistance program, and the employee assistance programs are focused on the employee, employee assistance program. Yes. They are not focused on supporting the manager and how they can manage through this crisis. And what they do really matters. It matters right. in team engagement. It matters in productivity. It matters in trust building. Exactly. So many managers kind of think, well, we'll just kind of push through it. And we all know what happens when you push through it. People, you know, it's, it's never a good outcome when you just decide to put the blinders on and push through it. Right. And in today's talent market, you need to keep your employees that you like. And this is right. one of the ways that you do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So listen, busy woman, busy woman question of the day. Yes. So how do you maintain your balance? It sounds like you have your hands full.
1: That is a great even question. with us kids. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the the kids. I've only got one home right now, so the other oh, two are okay. have, the other two are
0: <laughs> okay. Look, okay.
1: Partially launched, but I think the the I don't use the word balance. I use integration. Okay. Because I can't balance it. And the idea of the balance feels like, okay, I eat well. I, you know, I I do an integration. There are certain things that I absolutely must do every single day. Meditation is one of them, Um, you know, making sure that my refrigerator is stocked with healthy food. So I don't go after the junk food. That's another big one. I've realized over the years that bad food really affects my brain. It makes my brain foggy. I've seen this for myself. foggy, 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 yep. Yep, a little sugar just kind of yeah. spaces me out, you know. And I, I fight can't...
0: it, I fight it every day. Like yes. the sugar, it's like I need to eat it. And it's like, how do I get like this car craving away from me?
1: Yeah. So yep. I don't
0: have that because I don't like that sluggish feeling. So definitely.
1: And, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I make sure my refrigerator is stacked. Um, it's really funny. I listen to a lot of I just heard this thing from Deepak Chopra today where he asks himself four questions every day. Who am I? What do I want to get done? Where do I have gratitude? And oh, shoot. Okay, I'm going to look up the fourth question because it was so powerful. And he says he doesn't answer the questions. He just literally puts them at the forefront of his mind and things just kind of work out. So who am I? Oh, what do I want? What is my purpose? And what am I grateful for? So I'm constantly adding and taking things out of my morning routine um, so that I can be the best person. And then the last thing is I wrap up at the end of the day. It's so important for me to stop work, even if I go back to emails in the evening, I have a stop point where I kind of quickly review my day. What didn't I get done? What did I do really well? And what's one thing I'd like to have done better? And so that there's that constant reflection going on. Y'all, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I'm consistent with this practice. I'm consistent with the meditation and the food because that's very vital, but I'm not consistent with the ending my day, but it is, I am getting more and more consistent with it because it just seems to benefit so much. Everybody, including the child who is here with me, you know, living with me because that those relationships, they suffer when we suffer. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's very important Um, in my yeah. most recent book, Busy Woman's Guide to Holistic Health and Wellness. That was basically those two things. I was waiting for you to say reflect, and there she goes. That she hit it <laughs> right on the head. Um, I go in about um, basically how to change your environment to make it conducive to productivity. Yeah. Uh, and basically, one of the main things is gratitude yeah. and self-reflection. At the end of each day, um, even if you know sometimes I do something and it's like, okay, that's my good deed for today. Right. So at the end of the day. Um, a lot of times, and, and sometimes it's for free, you know, sometimes it's yeah. just something I just did because somebody just needed, it. there's still good people in the world. And that's what you have, you know, discovered through your 100 acts, despite what we see, despite what goes on, unfortunately, it's very hurtful, but there's still good people in the world. Sometimes Absolutely. you have to find them, you know, yes. but yes. there. they are definitely there. And yeah. we always there's just, um, I thought about while you were talking, I thought about reciprocity, yes and then I thought about gratefulness yeah I thought about reflection I said she hit it on the head so that's a good balance if a person can take each day granularly regardless what's going on and find something good in that day be grateful for the large the small the good the bad Um, I've even experienced some issues where even when it was ugly and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm still thankful. I'm still grateful. I am so thankful. I'm, I'm thankful that this didn't happen. It could have been this way, but that yes, way. Yes. And I noticed that energy ushering some good in, ushering, yes. at the end of the day, being reflective of your day, that good deed that you did for the day, yes. and then anything else that was positive. Just like I tell our group, the Busy Woman's Network. I'm right. saying, you know, what are your wins? Greater success. What are your yes. weak wins? Sometimes, well, you know, I just, don't say I just.
1: Yes, yes, yes. It's, you know, yeah. so,
0: okay. Don't downplay anything positive because yes. everything going on around us, we need every bit of positive energy, positive accolades, positive thoughts. We need those things. So yeah. I commend you for having that integrative balance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Cindy. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not easy, but it is, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. it's, I, you know, I always remember I drink from a well that I didn't dig. Right. Yes. I am drinking from the well that my parents dig, that my grandparents did, my great, great grandparents did that, that awesome. you know, all the way back. Yes. And my job is to continue digging and yes. I can't dig for my children or for my grandchildren or for my friends, kids, or for, you know, my sister's children. I can't dig if I right. don't do my own work. And so, that's or I can't right. dig as deep as if I don't do my own work. And so I think that's you the, yourself.
0: you know, that's yep. what the good book mentions about charity starts at home. Yeah. A lot of times we're not talking about a building. We're talking about that temple.
1: Yep, absolutely. Take care
0: of yourself. How can you? um, I always say, how can you leave when you're running on empty? Yeah awesome yeah. feel that so this is awesome 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 yeah enjoying talking to you how can people get in contact with you if they want to get in contact
1: sure so there's a the first thing I know I mentioned one thing never to say I actually have a free download with five things never to say to an employee a friend anyone okay. dealing with cancer loss or anything and you okay. can download that at 100 acts oflove.com backslash what not to say. So 100xoflove.com backslash what not to say. No spaces, no capitals. You get that for okay. free. Okay. Um, the second thing is I'm all over LinkedIn. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's where most people find me. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, my name, Kim Hamer. I do um, LinkedIn lives every Thursday. So if you have a question that you want answered that you just, you kind of feel like a fool for asking because you feel like no one, everyone else knows, but you, I'm your gal, so go ahead and DM me with that question and I will get it answered for you on air. Um, and then the last thing is go ahead and reach out to me at 100 acts of love on Instagram. I'm also there as well. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, there's there's a couple places that everyone can find me. I will be launching YouTube at some point. Got a couple of videos, <laughs> got a couple of videos up there, but not, haven't gotten there yet. God bless you Cindy for doing it. Oh, and wow. um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that, those are all the places. But I think the thing I want everyone to really know is how much they matter. I think we forget. We think we, you know, it's like what you said in your group. We tend to look at all the bad things we've done and not celebrate the good things. And that friend, that coworker, that employee who you like really, who you really like working with, they like working with you too. You're important to them. And when you show up You know, even if you say the wrong thing, you could always re-say it and say the right thing. But showing up when someone is in crisis is really so incredibly important for them, but it's also incredibly powerful for you.
0: Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it.
1: Oh, Zen,
0: Zen, Zen. All right. So that is all for today. We'll definitely have to get you on again. I appreciate you so much.
1: I appreciate you too, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. My pleasure.
0: Thank you again for tuning in to Complete Wellness with Cindy, the Busy Woman's Cheerleader. Follow me on social media at Busy Woman's Cheerleader. <laughs> Remember, together we write our stories, share our journeys, create memories, and leave our marks in history. Until next time, peace, blessings, and joy be multiplied to you. ta